Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side, as Skyboy likes to remind me. And uh, today we've got a great topic for you. Have you ever been in love and then you weren't? You know, maybe you noticed something strange. Maybe they, maybe they just started being awkward and weird and now you're like no longer in love. So I guess we have fallen out of love. They said no to the first date, maybe? Yes. You're like, I love you. I really want to date you. And then she doesn't like you. And then you're like, you know what? I'm not feeling it. I'm not loving you. That's how Skyboy dates, by the way. Sky, we're doing a show completely dedicated to you and the carnage of the You dedicate girls. every show to me. Do I? Yeah. Which you know is, why? makes me feel special every day. Well, you know why? Because we are trying to have an intervention. <laughs> Why don't you just come out and say it? It's just, a really long did. form yeah. intervention. This is a long form. We're, we're, That's we're going why we for had a year. To go up to two hours. That's why we went grande. Time, so. That's why this is the Matt Townsend show grande. An extra half hour. It's now a two hour show. Boom to help Skyboy and fix all of the carnage of love that you have spewed. Is that a word? I think I think you want. <laughs> I'm rot. lost. Carnage. You have rot. rot. You done rot carnage. In your love life. And so because of that, today we're going to fix it. Because every day you come in here, you have a new girlfriend. And every day you, uh, you give me the line, you know what? I love her. I'm just not in love with her anymore. Every day. That's what happens. What's your secret, man? I want some of that. I just tell him I love him. And show him the red hair. Whip out the cape. And, and no, tell the truth. It. Tell the truth. Chloroform. Tell it what else. <laughs> it is chloroform. What else do you play? You play the hoedown music. Clarinet. <laughs> no. no. I, I play, I play hoedown music. And you wear Dracar. And I wear my overalls. And you wear your Dracar. And my cowboy boots. And I put a piece of hay Okay. And you're mouth. from Iowa. Yeah. And it works. And it works. So that's it's the rule for the day. It's corn and it's not hay. We're trying to help anybody out there who has ever heard this line. You know, you're great. It's not you. It's me. You know, I love you. I'm just not in love with you. I've fallen out of love. And we're going to blow that up. Boom. Just like that. It's that simple. Have any of you ever been in love and heard the line, I just don't feel what I used to feel? Have any of you ever heard that one? Well, yes. It's not the same. It's, I don't know. You've changed. You've changed. You've changed. Have you have you ever said that to someone? No. Have they ever said that to you? I don't. Maybe no. I don't think so. Yeah. It, I bet. I bet they have. <laughs> You're like I bet that's what they say every okay. single time. I'm going to play you a video or a, an audio, but it's from YouTube. It is of a man who woke up from surgery. Now you know these are funny. So he's under the influence, which, by the way, we all were when we first fell in love. Every one of us was – we weren't under like some major anesthesia or anesthetic. We were – we were just in love and we felt it. Oh, and it felt so real right to our heart, right through our heart. This guy 
is higher than a kite. He wakes up from surgery and he's talking to his wife that he doesn't know is his wife. And he thinks an angel has delivered the most beautiful gift on earth. Can we sit up at all? Um, in a minute. I'll see if they'll lift you up, okay? Did the doctor send you? Man, you are eye candy. <laughs> Whoa. Man, you I'm... could be the prettiest woman I've ever seen. That's the husband. Are you a model? Nope, I'm going to be right here with you. You I... eat the Who cracker. Are you? <laughs> What's your name? My name's Candace. I'm your wife. You're my wife? <laughs> yeah. Holy. <laughs> Dang. How long? <laughs> Just eat the cracker. You're waking up. Eat your cracker. Man, have we kissed yet? <laughs> Keep eating your cracker. Do we call each other baby? <laughs> How long have we been married? A long time. I hit the jackpot. Whoa, your teeth are perfect. <laughs> Turn around. For a <laughs> Turn around. No. <laughs> eat your cracker. Just eat your cracker, We're Larry. We're married? Wow. Can I get you that ring? Mm-hmm. Man, I must have been really liking you. <laughs> Kay, wouldn't it be great? Let's say, I don't. we don't know the story behind this couple, but let's say they've been married... Eight years. They're married six years. It was it six yeah. years? Six years married. She takes him. He has a little procedure. I'm assuming he's actually had five surgeries. Like five big, surgeries. Big well, medical. So he really likes this. <laughs> <laughs> so this, yeah, this surgery was to repair like massive jackpot. complications with another one, I guess. So she's sitting there filming him. He wakes up and he can't believe how beautiful his wife is. We're married. <laughs> Wish we could always have that every morning, right? See, isn't that love? See, we think love is this idea that we're always enamored and you're perfect. Like, look at your teeth. I mean, when's the last time any of you out there in listener land looked at your wife and said, you're my wife? You're hot. Hmm? I hit the jackpot. I hit the jackpot. Most of us have, like, lost that chemistry. See, there's a trick that God plays on us, I'm convinced. He gets us a little loopy, chemically. We then get married. We're married? And the deal gets switched. And it's called the mate and switch. It happens to every human being. That's when people say, I've fallen out of love. Because what they think love is, is this loopy little feeling. No, we're blowing that up today. It's great, but you can't always be under the influence. Right, Sky? Yes. That's true. Okay. I, I uh, keep going. I think I felt that before. Have you felt that little loopy love? I think I felt the loopy love, and then I think <laughs> I felt the jackpot. I think I felt the falling out of love. Have you? Yes. Now, did you actually fall out of love, or did you notice someone else? Yeah. See, that's the trick. That's a trick. When you notice someone else, you haven't actually fallen out of love. You've just fallen in love with someone else. With someone else. You dirty dog. <laughs> that is your problem. You I wasn't can, married. You've got wandering eyes. <laughs> I wasn't married, so I, my eyes are still allowed to wander. Until you're married, you okay. can let your you eyes You tell wander. that to those seven girls that have left you. Okay. <laughs> was the number seven? I just threw that I don't out know. 
Um, okay, so here we sit, falling out of love. You know, we all yearn. Yum, yum. Totally fun. Totally good. Little loopy. Then, eventually, love's not free. Right, Andrew? Eventually, you got to earn it. I wouldn't know. Okay. <laughs> I'm perpetually single. <laughs> You're all single, so I feel like... Is that like, what I'm doing wrong? Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm not earning it? You got to let the chemistry in. Uh-oh, Bryce's got something. He's chomping. What you got, Bryce? This guy's got something to say. Bryce, my good buddy Bryce here. So Bryce and I have a scuba diving class, so I see him. Are you out. guys scuba buddies? We are scuba buddies. We, we do the buddy system. Is that why you wear the matching buddy. shirts? He's my buddy. He's my buddy. <laughs> um, but so I actually get to see Bryce outside of the radio show, yeah. and I've learned some things about what Bryce. What have you learned? Bryce might, and by might I mean 100% does, have a little girly friend right now. What? And she Not might it. be the one. Are you serious? How come none of us knew this? Because I keep my private life private. <laughs> Are you kidding? Have we met her? No. You Where have not is met she? her. Do you have her phone number? I do have her phone number. Let's get her on the line. Let's not do that. <laughs> Rob, that get is... her on the line. We need to get her on the line. Just give me your name. That is not a thing Just that's happening. I need, we'll a, call I her need Felicity. a first and last name. Felicity. We'll call her Felicity. That's Felic- like a really, really, you know, big fake name for somebody. Yep. Aren't Just you sure saying. you want Felicia? No. <laughs> How about Felicitaciones? Uh, if she were Hispanic, then that's, sure. That's Felicity. So you really want to go with Felicity. Let's call her let's Felicity. Just, let's just call her Liddy. I'll allow it. Okay. So we're Liddy, uh, Felicity. Um, where'd you meet her? I was cross-country skiing. <gasps> From back then? From way back then. You are a liar. <laughs> where have you been? You're supposed to share this with your peeps. Well, it, that's when we met. That's not when anything started happening. Did you get the pitter-patter? Not then. What? When did you get the pitter-patter? I don't know. Oh, boy. I don't know. Is she listening to this? I sure hope not. Well, we're taping it. I'll, we'll podcast it and send it to old Liddy. You know, he's doing a good <laughs> job, too. I'm going up and down his Facebook page, and there's no evidence. So wait, what? This is totally, like, backtracking, but what do you do if you are in a dating relationship and then you notice somebody else? You're supposed to just continue you're supposed dating. To, you're your supposed to gouge your eyes out and burn them. <laughs> we call that, we call that the, uh, the Oedipus. Okay, you just oh, poke my eyes out. Game over, everyone. See, but that's what's hard because when you're dating, or you just picture new guys like really ugly. Well, see, but if you're already doing that, then we call that shopping alternatives. The minute you're shopping alternatives, you're already you're already falling out of love. You're you're out of the relationship. Yeah, yeah you're well, already do you, shopping. Do you recommit or do you break up? Well, I would say. If you're married, you just got to recommit. So eventually in the show, I think we're going to get to the point that love is earned. It's not found. Okay? You earn it. You work for it. It's like the diamond deep in the mine. You got to go digging. And at first, it seems like all the diamonds are just handed to you. But that's how they get you into the multi-level marketing opportunity. Or the dating scenario. They, you just think that the cupboards are always full. And every time you go to the cupboard, there's just going to always be food there. So you get this impression that there's always going to be food. There's another metaphor for you. Then all of a sudden what you find out is once you're married, hey, the cupboards are bare. Somebody needs to fill the cupboards. And at that point, the yearning kind of fades and now you've got to start earning love. Boom. You with me? I'm on board. 
love's always preceded kind of with a chemical phase. And then you kind of get to have, by the way, the research shows that's anywhere from six months to three years. You get to ride the chemistry. Woo! Ha! That, it's like the hoedown. Is that the, is that the honeymoon phase yes. that they always talk about? That's up, the honeymoon. Up to three yeah. years? That's yeah. longer than celebrity weddings. Yeah. But if you notice, it actually is about as long as a celebrity stays married. If you look about the average celebrity marriage is about two to three years. Marriage. There's another So they just can't handle their their chemicals. Well, they think what they think love is is chemistry. They think it's just, oh, we feel so good together. Oh, my gosh. I can see heaven in your eyes. I I can see through time in you. All that dramatic. Just like that guy's anesthetic's going to wear off. And then he's just it's just back to his wife. And he loves her. Now, by the way, look what she's doing, though. How many times? He's been through five surgeries. Five times she's had to stand there, hold his hand, and listen to this serious, silly little dribble, drabble, bibble, babble that comes out of his mouth. We're married? Like that. (laughs) Maybe she's the kind that responds to gifts. She might be. Or she might just be so dedicated that she's in. Now, right there, she's probably not loving having to go through another surgery with this guy but now she's earning it she's doing something even though she may not feel this chemical attraction to this guy right now that needs surgery but she's still there she's holding his hand she'll get him in the car she's videotaping him while he's coming down from she's feeding him a cracker she's feeding the boy i mean she's getting covered in some really good compliments yeah and she's still telling him to eat his cracker. cracker not keep telling me more yeah and now she is the envy of, I'm going to say, millions of women. Would that See, be this accurate? I, That's exactly as a woman, right. I would say that is accurate. Yes. Jackpot. See, he's so happy he keeps coming in the show. <laughs> he just keeps injecting his voice in it. So we're going to talk today about falling out of love. And we've got an expert we're going to be uh, having to join us later, Kelly Campbell. Dr. Kelly Campbell's going to be there, and she's going to feed us a bunch of cool information. Now, we got to do something because I don't want to move on from this. Back to Bryce. Bryce, you have this woman, this beautiful friend, let's call her Felicity, which means what? Happiness. Yeah. It's interesting you chose that word. Well, I just picked it because it actually has that name. You're right. Happiness. You know what my wife's name was? Her code name? Her code name? Uh, Helga. No. Caliente. (laughs) Caliente. Yeah. Guess what that means? Hot. Hot. You chose happy. I chose hot. But that's actually like temperature hot. Wouldn't you want to go with like picante? Like no, no, well, spicy hot? She had two names. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. <sighs> it just brought back memories. Hold on. Let me just work through my feelings for a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll just, we'll just wait. Yeah, that's fine. Feel it, man. Just, it just brought back a lot of memories about my picante caliente wife. Um, so you, her felicity... When are we going to meet this young lady? Um, we'll see. Because it's interesting that the last time I had a date night, you could have brought Felicity. Uh, yes. I don't think I would have, though. Why? You don't want to share? No. I'm very selfish. Very selfish. And I think he learned from my mistake. <laughs> what are you saying? I I had I helped you connect with a woman. You helped me create the most awkward date of my life. Yeah. And for that I'm grateful because and it's a great memory and you it's are hard welcome. it's hard to top that. So what it was, poor little skyboy came to one. I do date nights where I speak and we have an entertainer and I <laughs> It's usually married people that come. Thanks for telling me. That. We didn't tell Sky that. We just wanted him there to see if we could work the relationship and he brought a beautiful, wonderful woman, and I made them stand eye to eye 
I think that was it, right? Without talking for about seven minutes. And and let's point out also, this girl was very much into Sky. Oh yeah. But Sky wasn't all that into her. Sky, let's just say, was looking for a greener pasture. He was he his head was not in the pasture he was in. He was looking oh for God. other pastures. So so not only was it meant more for married people, it was, also it was this girl's time to shine. She was so cute though. Really, come on. This guy just wanted to get out. Well, this is really good news because I did not know that you have a love interest. And apparently this one may take. Well, that's the idea. I don't really jump into these things thinking, oh, okay, well, this will be a really good three months. That's always the idea. I think if you really want to have a shot, you got to get her in here. As soon as you can. You can have like Felicity and Bryce edition. We won't even say her real name. You call me when she turns from Felicity to Picante. Okay. I'll, I'll do that. You won't. I'm going to follow you. <laughs> Is this why you went and got a, a, a new apartment so that you can... Are you starting to nest? That's actually... Are no, you that, nesting? That's actually the weird part. I'm like, well, I don't really have a whole lot of action going on in Provo. I guess I'll just move out and then I'll I move move. out and then something happens in Provo. Holy cow. Whatever. You know so, what else? Okay. My Is this why weird. you're learning to scuba dive for your honeymoon? No. Okay. I'm just checking. But that would be really cool. We're talking love, folks. It's happening on the show. See, it's amazing. The magnetism of this show to create love in your life. It's powerful. We're going to take a break. When we come back, our own Bryce is going to give us a rant about creepy love songs. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. We're married? Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show, Love Fest 2013, we're calling this. We're teaching today about the topic of love, understanding love a little bit better. There's probably not just one type of love, which is why when we say we've fallen out of love with somebody, maybe we know not of what we speak. Because Bryce, for example, he's got a girlfriend, right, Bryce? I have one of those. And you care deeply. Indeed. Have you, this is what I would suggest you say to her because every woman loves this. You look her in the eyes, you grab her chin with your thumb and your index finger, and you say, Babe, I love a love a love of you. That'll do it. It's very Barney Rubble of you. That's but... what my nanny used to say to me. Matt, I love a love a love of you. She was right. Yeah. It's just fun to say. <laughs> so, Bryce, you put together a rant. Apparently, some old love songs get a little creepy. They just don't hold up. They never did. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. The times, they are a-changin'. It used to be acceptable to bonk women over the head with your club and then drag her into your cave. Then later on, we had to buy her from her dad with cows and goats. Some cultures just threw out the unnecessary stuff and would just tell two people, hey, get hitched. And now today, we spend all this time getting to know each other and meeting parents. Regardless, the point I'm making is that our courtship rituals change. But things are a little different today. We're better at storing media like music. And let's not forget, when artists get lazy, as they often do, they'll write a love song because who doesn't love a love? Love song. Fact is, it's an easy cash cow. But all of this combined gives us little time capsules of courtship rituals. And you know what? Some songs have not withstood the test of time. So what about Lionel Richie's Hello? Hello. 
What a tender love song. In the music video, there's this woman and she's blind, but Lionel has a big fat crush on her. And so that's why it's cute when he says things like, is it me you're looking for? I can see it in your eyes. But let's break this down. First line, I've been alone with you inside my mind and in my dreams I've kissed your lips a thousand times. I sometimes see you pass outside my door. Yep, that's stalker talk. And then to add to this, the music video sets up Lionel as a school teacher, and the object of his affection is a student. But it's never clear what kind of school. Is it a college? Is it an adult class at the community theater? Is it a high school? Danger, Will Robinson. Alright, there's lots of others and lots that get really bad really fast. But let's go way back. All the way to a classic wintertime song, Baby, It's Cold Outside. I really can't stay. But baby, it's cold outside. I've got to go away. But baby, it's cold outside. What an innocent song from a bygone era. It's been redone so many times by so many people. Yeah, well, I'm gonna ruin it for you. It parades around like a song about a couple that doesn't want to end a romantic night, because who wants to do that? Especially when it is, in fact, cold outside. Until you read the lyrics. The female voice is making excuse after excuse to leave. But before she can finish the sentence, the male voice has already made a counterpoint. That is, until she agrees to just a few more drinks. Then his tone changes. And we all know, nothing makes bad decisions easier to make like a little more alcohol. And then things get weird when she interrupts the male voice asking, what's in this drink? You shouldn't be putting things in people's drinks. That's where things get weird and that's where I draw the line. Who knows, maybe that was standard procedure back then. Maybe in a few years it'll be a thing. But one thing I am certain about is that in both of these cases, courting a lady using the methods mentioned earlier will in the very least result in a restraining order, if not a little bit of jail time and then ending up on some list. The path to every heart is different, but it's tempered by social context. So here's a new rule. Only look for romantic inspiration in the current decade. I have a feeling it'll be safer that way. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Um, you sure ruined that song. I yep. Yeah. But that was creepy. It's when you get down. I, here's what I think it is. Here's the thing it is. He was trying to get her intoxicated. Yeah. And and suddenly when she's like, okay, I guess I have more, a few more drinks. Oh, he's oh, okay, cool. This is great. All right, let's do this. Let's have fun together. Like, uh. that dirty old man. But I think here's what here's what I think. Okay, I think that's just how it worked back then, more or less. And I well, think we've just we've just changed the way we do things. We don't feel like drugging someone's the best way to keep them close. We like to convince them in their sober state to like me, right? Not when they are intoxicated to some degree or another. But see, then what's funny is then when they're then when they get even more sober and they're not intoxicated by chemistry, then we start having fights again. Exactly. See the cycle? You ruined Lionel Richie, too, for me. Yeah, well, it's... That song he was brought back memories. That was... <laughs> those were good times. And let's Lionel just say, those Richie. were some of the more classy ones that I ran into. Some songs are... It never dawned on me that he was singing about uh, his thoughts of seeing her a thousand times in his dreams. That is creepy. That's stalkerish. But it's not creepy... When you got love on board. No, 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 It's not creepy when you're attractive. That's true. That's true. Cute, uh, you know, successful, attractive Lionel Richie, you know, yeah. singing about how he's, how you've been walking past his door. Yeah. Hello. It's like, oh, how romantic. If he were ugly looking, everyone would be like, what a creeper. That guy scares me. Well, um, your, I guess your goal wasn't to ruin songs. No, but I really wanted to point out that 
We just, the way we do things changes. Yeah. And that's normal. Mm-hmm. I like it. Love, music, it comes, it goes. Today we're going to talk to our wonderful guest, Dr. Kelly Campbell. We'll be joining us after the break. She's going to give us some insight into different stages of love. You know, the process we go through in this crazy thing called love. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back after this break right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Love. Can you fall out of love? Is that how it works? Have you ever wondered where this chemistry comes from? You know, one minute you're just sitting there, the next minute you have found a person that's the most incredible person on the earth. And all of a sudden you're attached and you're bonded to this person. You don't even know anything about them, but you know they're great. And your mom's like, no, 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 no. This is not the one. Don't marry this one. And you're like, Mom, shut it. I know I've known you my entire life, and nobody cares more about me than you. But I'm going to wing it. I'm going to go out on a limb, and this is the one I'm going to marry. Um, Where does this chemistry come from? Where does the attachment come from? How do we end up falling out of this love if it's so powerful, if it's so seemingly permanent to us? That's what we're talking about today. We are uh, asking a wonderful guest to join us now. Her name is Dr. Kelly Campbell. She's a Ph.D. assistant professor of psychology at California State University, San Bernardino. Her research interests include interpersonal relationships and cultural diversity. She specifically focuses on chemistry, couple rituals, commitment, infidelity, marriage, and what she calls catfishing. We're going to hear about it today. She's been featured on NBC, CBS, NPR, Men's Health, Women's Health, uh, and the Matt Townsend Show, by the way. Uh, I, I have a feeling NBC and CBS are priority. Anywho, um, you can also find her uh, on Psychology Today blog where she wrote an excellent article called More Than Chemistry. So, Dr. Kelly Campbell, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me back on the show. I'm excited to be with you today. You are way fun to have on the show. And I don't know if you heard, but one of our guys on the team here, Bryce Tobin, is now in a deep like of another person. He is in, he's, he's loving-ish. We don't, he hasn't used the love word, but he's liking profoundly someone. So we need your insight. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I heard the intro and it sounds like he's going to have that biological reaction in the presence of this person. And that's right. I think it's largely biology that's accounting for these different emotions. Is it? In love. Don't yeah, you think it's it more is. Cupid? Doesn't have something to do with a chubby little naked, uh, whatever we call him. Cherub flying around shooting arrows at people. I don't think so. <laughs> See, you're maybe maybe he's responsible for who gets introduced to us, but then after the introduction is made, biology is going on for both people to okay. make them have that. Okay, you need to help us with this because the biology isn't as romantic as just the idea that this person's destined to be ours. So fill us in about this. What? Where does this biology come from? How does it kind of work? Sure. Okay. Well, there's different types of love. So usually when I'm explaining love to people from the research standpoint, I'll define it according to three different components. So okay. the first one will be passion. Okay. So that's what you feel early on. Yep. In North America, other places in the world, you know, arranged marriages, you might feel it later. But here we usually feel passion. And oh, that's- interesting. Because we're choosing yeah. 
we're we're kind of making the choice out of passion where in an arranged marriage you know it's kind of handed to us Sure. In an arranged marriage, actually, it's one of the other components that comes first, which is going to be commitment. So you are committed to that person, and then after some time getting to know them, you might form passion. Okay, interesting. Yeah, but here in, yeah, it's it's very interesting. Um, But passion here in North America, that's what we initially feel that that arousal, the biological reaction to that person's present. We feel excited. We have increased energy. We sometimes have lack of sleep. We actually even have a better immune system during that time when that person's in our life. Why, just so we don't uh, die? What's that about? <laughs> well, it's probably to look more appealing to yeah. the person. Look but also healthy, look healthy. Feel good. It's true. That's it's what true, though, huh? Of healthy traits. Yeah, yeah. Cause who, we'll all fall apart later, but right now we've got to close the deal. Look healthy. <laughs> Pinch we have your to cheeks. look healthy because we also need to signal to that person that we can make good kids. So people who are healthy will make good kids. So that's I, one of the reasons. Oh, see, yeah. this is so not romantic, Kelly. <laughs> but it's funny because we kind of romanticize love, but really there's a there's kind of this natural biological goal: look healthy so you can so you look like mm-hmm. you can create healthy children. You're yes, not going to die the people, on them, right? And the people that you'll be attracted to are usually a good DNA match for you. There was this famous experiment where women smelled the sweat of men who'd um, sweat into T-shirts, and then they rated that. Yeah. Um, you know, so if they loved the scent, then that's a good DNA match. Like, very different DNA makes good kids. If they hated the scent, that could be their sibling or family member where it's not the best match. <laughs> that's so, why my wife yeah. hates to wash my clothes, because we're already <laughs> together. See? That's a pretty bad study. I mean, it's, I'm, I, I believe the data, but how mm-hmm. do you get that group? Yeah, I know. Well, the other thing that they've done, too, uh, related to biology and who we're attracted to is um, they've taken pictures of people. And let's say, for instance, a woman during the time where um, she's fertile or she can have a baby, she actually looks better, the same woman looks better during that period of the month than the rest of the month. So if you put these pictures side by side and have people rate them, she's looking more healthy. She's looking better during that time. Yeah. Nature. Well, I mean, you think about that's how... That's how animals would do it. That's how the flowers, the fauna, everything would, everything's working to get, you know, procreating. Right, Hmm. right. And then because in our species, too, the women are the ones who really determine when it's time to mate, not the men. So every species is different, but for you, it's the woman. Tell me about it. (laughs) But then you'll find that women will have different preferences depending on what time of the month it is. So in certain times, they'll prefer the rugged, dominant look, which is when they're fertile. And the rest of the time, they'll prefer more boyish characteristics that signal this person's going to be around for the long term, Um, and they want their partner to talk to them differently. So that explains why it can be very confusing that you can say, you know, I want to snuggle you, cuddle you, you're so beautiful. Sometimes of the month, and a female will respond really well to that, and other times of the month, she prefers much more aggressive behaviors and, and, you know, phrases said to her. So that really fluctuates over the course of the month. So it can be confusing to a guy who doesn't know, and even to a woman who doesn't know that. Yeah, right. And then all of a sudden, we just think we're married to the same person. But it's really maybe three people or four people. Yeah, and And, the biology is going on underneath it. Although for men, they're just staying pretty constant. Yeah. I mean, what's for dinner? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, this. So so one you're saying is passion. That's the chemistry. That's the first one. And then um, another one you brought up was commitment. Yes, and that one is the decision. So that's more conscious. So passion we can think of. When you say it's not romantic, it can be romantic in the sense that it's emotional. So we're not sitting there. When we're in passionate love, we're not rationally saying, here are the pros of this person, here are right. the cons. So it is, it is romantic in that sense. But then commitment is probably, I don't know, 
if you want to say it's uh, the less romantic one, but it's a lot more rational. It's saying that I'm making a decision to stay committed to this person. I'm going to do what it takes to stay committed. So that means all those regular relationship maintenance behaviors on a daily basis um, that it that you're putting forth to make sure that that relationship lasts. That's a conscious effort and decision. Now, does it, um, and I, you have one more, what's the other love style? The other one is intimacy, and that can be present in both, you know, whether beginning or end. So people who have it present in the beginning, those are going to be the people who we would say are in love. If you're not, if it's not there in the beginning, you're just lusting after that person. You actually don't have a substantial relationship there. And then it can also be present with commitment, so the long-term love. And in that sense, it's a intimacy on its own is just basically a trusting, affectionate bond with that person. Okay, and that's the three. trusting, affectionate bond. Um, mm-hmm. So sometimes we can just have passion, bada boom, right. bada bing. But right. sometimes you can, um, and by the way, sometimes I guess you could have commitment, another kind of love where it's a little bit more conscious, where we're kind of choosing it's it's a little, I call it the earning love. It's it's where it's a little harder, but you're you're committed, so you're working on it. You're trying to improve right. it. Um, right. And sometimes you can have commitment without passion. Right. And sometimes For you sure. can have passion without commitment. Exactly. And then intimacy seems like is that kind of the convergence of this is where I now have an affectionate trust for you, which would I guess mm-hmm. would drive me to be more committed to you. Yes. Is that the order, happen. or it does yes. it not matter? Passion's definitely first in North America. So like I said, it could be different in other parts of the world. But here, normally, that's the first part. So we say, yes, that's first. And then followed by commitment. But intimacy really can occur in either phase. So beginning, middle, end. So you could have, let's say, a long-term marriage um, that you would expect to have intimacy, but maybe they're no longer connecting with one another, but they're still committed to stay in that relationship for whatever reason, the kids or something, you know. So... You can have commitment without passion and without intimacy. So they're all independent, but intimacy can just happen in both the beginning or end or all throughout or not at all. It seems like um, because when you say intimacy, you're not even talking physical intimacy. That might actually be more a function of passion. Right. You're talking the the emotional trust and affection. Mm -hmm. Yes. And and. What you develop through communication with your partner, through supporting your partner, understanding your partner, being warm to your partner, those are all things that uh, comprise intimacy. See, but this, what's so funny about this is people just say, yeah, you know, I just, I've just fallen out of love. Mm -hmm. So when they say that, are they really just saying, I've moved from passion and I'm no longer in a level of passion? Yeah, that's what I take it to mean. So um, in our culture, when we say I've fallen out of love, it's that we once had this very euphoric state where we were thinking about that person a lot and really wanted to be in their presence and know a lot about them, a yearning to understand them, to know them. And then over time, that um, that can't be sustained, and it's not even... Well, it's sustained in about 5% of uh, people who stay together over 20 years. So really, 5% people, can keep that yeah. chemistry level yeah. up. Right. But it's not ideal because you're... Your body goes into kind of a heightened state of arousal, and it's not that I, you don't want to keep that over the long term. Obsessive thoughts on this person. Yeah, that it seems to kill you. Yeah, right. Yeah, you want to settle so, into something that is now kind of bonded. Right. We're committed. We can kind of right. take down some of the facades, so mm-hmm. we don't have to stay heightened 
emotionally. Right. But the problem, yeah, but when we fall out of it, it's kind of disappointing, right? And people who get married in that state, they think this is the one, especially if they've yeah. never felt it before, and they get married and then it, it dies off, and then they think, oh, so it really wasn't the one or this relationship's over, not realizing that relationships go through stages. You can do things to keep inserting the passion, but right. if you value that stage so much and you need it over and over, those people aren't going to do so well in long-term relationships. Yeah, I kind of, I, I love that. Um, I, I always talk about it that the source of love kind of in a lasting relationship probably isn't going to normally be passion. That's just kind of the rockets that get you off the space shuttle launch pad and up into the atmosphere. But eventually you got to be willing to stay on the trek. And um, eventually, I guess that gets more into intimacy and commitment. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And throughout that relationship, even if it lasts many, many years, you can do things to insert passion. So yeah. engaging in brand new activities together or things that you both find arousing, whether that's, you know, like skydiving or whatever activity yeah. you can think of that you want to do. Or yeah. anything like a class, a dance class, anything sure. new can create yeah. a different chemistry that you can attach to the relationship. Right, right. And it ignites that spark. I love this. Is... um. Because, again, we just say love. So I guess for the listeners, love kind of academically, you break down into styles, passion, intimacy, mm-hmm. commitment. Right. And um, is there – I mean, I guess it seems like what most people are seeking for mm-hmm. is an intimacy. Mm-hmm. But it seems like well, that's the heart – that seems like – harder to get because we're afraid of risking and we're, you know, we may have learned something as a child, all this attachment stuff. I, I guess we probably will have to come back and talk about that. Yeah. But is mm-hmm. which, which one, or, I mean, I guess we're just searching for intimacy and commitment. What I think is that the media really influences what we're seeking and they present a very romanticized view of love and relationships and marriage. And people really expect all three and it's very hard to achieve all three and sustain them consistently over right. time. So I think people have overly high expectations for their relationships and when they can keep those expectations realistic and and know that these things will fluctuate over time, then that's where we can have the potential for a satisfying long-term relationship. It's really not good when people have overly high expectations because they're bound to go unmet and then that's where people risk divorce and other things. Well, and especially, I mean, imagine you're eight months pregnant, the concept of passion, Mm -hmm. um, you know. Maybe what we need now is just some intimacy and some <laughs> and some commitment. And I mean, and then all of a sudden when you've got kids, a bunch of kids, I have six kids, believe it or not. And when I have my six kids running around, mm-hmm. passion again, kind of harder to find. But all of a sudden the idea of being committed mm-hmm. and together working to for this team uh, mm-hmm. seems to kind of take precedence. So maybe these are like rotating things. But like you're saying – we got to manage the expectation. Right. And also, so when you have kids, when kids are introduced, they just take a lot of time and energy. And so it's very easy to put the relationship on the back burner because so much effort is being exerted toward child rearing. And it's so important in that time um, to remember that the relationship has to take priority even through all that energy that's yeah. going toward the kids. So time has to get set aside for the couple relationship. It's essential not only for the couple to last and be happy, but even for the kids to see that their parents are happy. That's Mm. really important. Oh, it's huge, isn't it? And the modeling of that. Oh, good stuff. Um, We're talking with Dr. Kelly Campbell, Assistant Professor of Psychology at California State University, San Bernardino. We're going to take a break and come back. And uh, you really 
you got to go look up Kelly and her blog. She's on Twitter. She's, you know, she's pretty much everywhere. Um, but even more importantly, when we come back, I'd love her to talk to us a little bit about, you know, our attachment styles, how some of us have learned to attach and bond to other people. I also want to hear about catfishing. This is uh, seemingly an important thing. She also has a, an invitation for anybody that wants to join one of her studies on that. We're going to take a break, folks. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Hoedown. There's our new music for the Matt Townsend Show Mega, Mega Grande Show, half hour longer, more ideas, more solutions, more hoedown for you and the kids. Um, Welcome back. We're having an awesome discussion with uh, one of my favorite academics, which um, I don't take lightly. She really knows what she's talking about. Dr. Kelly Campbell is an assistant professor of psychology at California State University, San Bernardino. One of her ex, uh, her uh, areas of expertise is um, chemistry and couples and couples rituals and commitment. And we like to have her on the show. She's been featured on every major network you can imagine, NBC, CBS, NPR. Uh, she's also, interestingly, was awarded the Outstanding Junior Faculty Award in spring 2013 at her university and the outstanding teaching award in 2012. I think it's because she has something, some knowledge about chemistry. So she's somehow drugging the students. Is that true, Kelly? (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm not drugging the students. No, I'm just wondering, you're a pro at the chemistry side (laughs) now. um, So, so fill us in. We've been talking about different love styles. So every one of us kind of starts a relationship. We, we generally move through different stages. Um, are they stages? I guess they're stages. They can be stages, yeah. We Sometimes we might stages. skip a stage. Mm-hmm, that's true. Passion, that's kind of the chemical, you know, emotional, non-rational state is what mm-hmm. I call it. There's the intimacy stage, which is kind of where we have this trust and affection. Um, it's very, it seems to be a little bit more emotional. I mean, not emotional, like I guess what, uh, more... Yeah, it is. No, it is It is emotional, emotional but it yeah. almost seems to soothe... Not just the physical, emotional needs, but kind of the heart. Yes, definitely. And then the commitment side, which is a little bit more heady, maybe, but now we're kind of more intellectual and we're consciously choosing to, I guess, commit and be in. Right, exactly. And doing the things it takes to make that relationship work. That's cool. So again, when people fall out of love, it's probably the passion that's fading, which is normal. Mm -hmm. It's, It's kind of the way your nature's made. It's kind of the way your body's made is... You know, you can't always be at this heightened state, heightened state of emotional passion. But now, does do these does our ability to bond to somebody? It, it's got to be something that we bring into the relationship, isn't it? Yeah. And yes. it, where does that come from? I mean, we can't just blame everything on our parents with the DNA well, and how they raised us, can we? Okay. Well, this gets into another topic I'd love to address that really relates to love, which is attachment styles. And those styles that we develop do come from our parents and okay. from our early experiences. So explain so, the attachment, because some of you out in listener land may have heard of the phrase like an attachment disorder. Mm-hmm, That's what we're talking right. about here, huh? 
Yeah, so when you say, is there, you know, do people come into relationships with a propensity to be able to form these um, close, intimate bonds? Yes, they do. And so depending on the type of care you received when you were young, it will impact how how likely you are to form close bonds as adults. But we won't blame it all on the parents, as you say, if things right. didn't go well, because as adults, we can change these things, which is the good news, which is why I like to talk about it. It's not like destiny where you've been born a yeah. particular way and you can't change it. Yeah, so. you're, you're going to die. No. <laughs> you, you can actually say, but part of it is, so just give us a sign. I see a lot of people that come through my office. I, I had an example. I'll give you a general example um, mm-hmm. where the person really had a very, very abusive childhood. Mm-hmm. And um, by the time he was nine uh, or ten, he he had to go to court with his parents. His dad kept trying to get custody, but the mom had custody. But the mom was doing virtually everything you could do illegal. So he was raised in a home where the mom was doing all this illegal, illicit behavior and activity. And he probably saw everything you can imagine. It was a drug house, prostitution, you name it. Hmm. At age eight or nine, he was liberated and got was freed from his home and was able to go live with his father and a stepmother. But he he kept saying, you know, I'm fine. I mean, it was fine. I I, I made it out. Look at me now. But he probably has. In fact, I know he has issues of how he can connect in. So he kind of stays out a little bit. He doesn't open up to the level of intimacy that you probably need. Right. Yeah. And so that's fascinating because in that case, he had two different role models. And so I would hope that with his father, he had a secure style. Oh, great. But Very secure. Like, okay, good. So at least he's had a model of secure. And so even though he may struggle with some issues, ideally, if he ends up with a secure partner, then he can really um, fit right into the secure style, settle into that okay. and hopefully get rid of some of the others. So, so I can tell you a bit about you know, the, the main styles. Okay. Um, and there's a famous experiment um, that's been used by researchers to assess style. So it's not the, about sweaty shirts, is it? No. Okay. Just no, joking. it's not. <laughs> but it does have a, a strange name. It's okay. called the strange situation. So, okay. So let me describe kind of um, each style and then what happens with that experiment, because it's a way for us to see within only a few minutes to know the child's style you know, okay. All the things yeah. that are going on at home are expressed there in the lab. So okay, now so okay. the people that are listening, they could they kind of do this with themselves? Can they think through this scenario and relate mm-hmm. it to themselves? Yes. Okay. Cool. Absolutely, and parents can do this. You yep. know, this is the most important information for parents because they can they're determining their child's style, so they need to know this. Okay. Cool. Okay. So the first type, which is the best type, is secure, and what happens there is that. When the children are young, little babies and toddlers, when they express that they have a need by crying or saying something, then their parent consistently and um, accurately responds to their needs so, and warmly. So let's say the baby's crying. Well, you know, usually it's the mother we talk about, but it's whomever the primary caregiver is, arrives swiftly and consistently and then knows how to meet the needs. So does the baby need something to eat, drink? Mm. Does the baby need to be changed? Do they just want to be cuddled? You know, what is it? And so yeah. they continuously yeah. do that. So in this famous experiment, what happens is the primary caregivers bring in the babies or the toddlers to the lab, and they're instructed to play with the toys with their child. Then the parent is instructed to leave, and we watch to see what happens. What does the baby do? And then the parent comes back after a minute or two, because we don't want the kid to be too distressed. And they're instructed, you know, go um, cuddle your baby, calm it down, make it feel secure and happy again. So 
With the secure children, they happily play with their parent, their parent leaves, and now the child is left with the researcher only and shows signs of distress. So they might start to cry a little bit. They might look at the researcher saying, where did my parent go? They might go toward the door. If they're old enough, they'll start moving chairs to look out windows and asking the researcher for help so they have a toolkit of ways they can get their needs met. Oh, interesting. Then when, yes, it's fascinating. Then the parent comes back in the room. They've been instructed, go comfort your child. So that's what they do. They pick up their child and they comfort the child very well. They're good at meeting their kid's needs. The kid will calm down and then they resume play with the toys. So okay. that's a secure stuff. So they can handle the moment of loss and they just go to their mm-hmm. tool set. They go to all their little right. ways of getting comforted. Right, cool. exactly. And then as adults, those people, they're also going to be secure. So when they get into a romantic relationship, they're going to express their needs. So when their partner doesn't do something that they expect, they'll say, you know, I really wish you could have done it this way or in this scenario, it could have been better like this. And if their partner doesn't respond to their needs, they're not going to stick around for the long term with that person yeah, because okay. they expect their needs to get met. Okay. So, Interesting. So the, and these wouldn't they, be the people so. that would stalk you? No. Okay. They, they should, no. A secure <laughs> okay. could turn insecure, but it's rare. Yeah, okay, right. So, okay. Yeah, okay. Cool. So that's okay. a secure attachment. Okay. Yeah. So do, let's do, let's one, do one more and then we'll hmm. have to take a break. Sure. Okay. The next one is the opposite. It's avoidance. So with these kids, their parents have not met their needs. They've been neglectful or barely there. And so in the lab, um, the parent is instructed to play with the toys, but the kid doesn't really care that the parent's there, so they're playing relatively independently of the parent. Then the parent leaves. The kid looks to see the parent go, but also doesn't care because the parent's not really good for much. It doesn't meet their needs, so it doesn't even cry when the parent goes. It keeps mm. playing with the toys. Parent comes back and is supposed to comfort their child. Again, the kid does not care. They've been picked up, and instead of looking at their parent, they're looking back at the toys, reaching for the toys. So they've learned that their parent is not a source of need fulfillment. They've come to rely on themselves, be more independent, And then as adults, those people can be one of two ways. They can really want an intimate relationship but be very scared because they feel people don't meet their needs. Or they can go the other route and say, you know what, I'm fine on my own. I'm independent. I meet my own needs. I actually don't want an intimate relationship. Mm -hmm. And those people can be very happy. Yeah. So it can go either way with the avoidance. They could also, I guess, um, be in a family and be, be the one that kind of is the wallflower that never gets involved, gets intimate, Mm -hmm. and gets connected. Right. They're not comfortable being dependent on others or having people depend on them. Interesting. Isn't it interesting? And it's something that starts as little as just how you're raised. Okay. So, so far we're talking secure attachment and avoidant attachment. Right now we are talking with Dr. Kelly Campbell, assistant professor of psychology at California State University, San Bernardino. And uh, we're going to come back and learn more from her about these attachment styles. We're also going to Wrap up a little bit of our talk about love styles as well, passion, intimacy, commitment. And if we, if you have any questions, we'd love to take your questions for Dr. Campbell. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. Give us a call. We'll get you on the line and she can answer questions about your love life. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show, Love Fest 2013, we're calling this. We're going to get Sky Boy back on the back in the saddle of love, aren't we, Sky? That's what I'm hoping for. Don't you think Kelly's fascinating? Yeah. She knows her stuff. She does know her stuff. And she doesn't talk like a professor. 
That's nice. I don't Got know what it. that means because that makes it sound like we don't like professors. But she's smart and she knows about this love stuff because you know why? She studies it. Kelly Campbell, Ph.D., is joining us. She's an assistant professor of psychology at California State University, San Bernardino uh, location. Her research interests include interpersonal relationships. She specifically focuses on chemistry, couple rituals, commitment, infidelity, marriage, and catfishing. She's been on every major network uh, basically teaching this, and she wrote a killer blog article for Psychology Today, More Than Chemistry, it's titled. So if you want uh, more information about that, just go look up Psychology Today, More Than Chemistry, or just go ahead and look up Kelly Campbell, um, PhD, and you'll see her all over the internet. Kelly, welcome back, my friend. Thank you. You're so nice with that intro. Well, it's a big intro. It's like your whole Vitae (laughs) is huge. Um, here's the deal, Kelly. Uh, we've talked about this bonding thing we call attachment, this, our ability to connect in and to feel safe and secure. You've been going through some different connect, uh, attachment styles, um, right. secure attachment, avoidant attachment. Are there more? There's one more. What's that yeah. one? Okay, that one's anxious ambivalent, so it's kind of like a mix. Between the two? Okay. Um, Okay, so with that one, the children have received inconsistent care. So sometimes their parents are there for them, sometimes they're not, or maybe sometimes the parents are warm, sometimes they're mean or neglectful. Um, And in that case, so then we we were discussing the strange situation experiment, what happens. So with the anxious, ambivalent children, their parents are playing with the toys, and then the parent will leave the room, and the anxious, ambivalent child has learned that the longer and louder that they cry or make a fuss, then the more likely their parent will be to return. So hmm. rather than having, like, do you remember the secure one had this toolkit and they yeah. cry a little bit and they have other ways of getting their parent back? Well, the anxious ambivalent, they go from zero to maximum. So when their parent leaves, they just go to the max crying and throwing a fit. And they that's what they've learned, that that will get their parent back. So when their parent comes back, they've been instructed, go comfort your child And what we see with those kids is that the parent isn't too good at comforting them. And so they never fully calm down. Um, For many minutes that go by after they've started playing with the toys, the child still is demonstrating some signs of discomfort. Mm. The parent just wasn't very good at it. They're awkward, and um, they didn't know how to do it. And then so when those people become adults, um, what happens is they've learned that people will inconsistently meet their needs. So if they meet someone and they go on a date and they had a great date together, they say, oh my gosh, this is really a person that is good at meeting my needs. I really want to hold on to them and I don't want them to go. So they really push to make more plans, to be close very fast. And what usually happens there is that the person feels a little bit repelled from that behavior because it's too much too soon. They're like too needy. Too needy, exactly. And then this reconfirms their idea about what people are like. Sometimes they're great, sometimes they're gone. And These different patterns that we have, no matter which style you have, it is a self-fulfilling prophecy. So whatever your expectations are about how people will behave, you really expect those behaviors out of people and you treat them in a way that elicits those behaviors. So Mm. if we're unaware of our style, this can go on repeating itself lifelong. I've seen it in so many clients. And it's Mm -hmm. like, uh, but they're not throwing the fit, right? The baby would throw the fit and cry till they get their attention. These people throw adult fits. They make, they get mad, they get angry, loud. 
Right. You know, right. in their or, face. Yeah. You know, texting or quiet. Constantly. Yeah. Texting all the oh. time, right? Sending like 10 texts. Where are you? Where are you? you know, Where are you? Insecure. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that? And, and honestly, so when we sit here and we say we're falling out of love, it would make sense if you're married to somebody or dating somebody that's an anxious, ambivalent mm-hmm. attachment style, and they're so needy and so controlling and so in your face and so reactive or whatever, it would make sense you'd fall out of love. Like you'd, it would make sense you'd start pulling away. And want mm-hmm. to be free, um, yeah. and and really, it, it may have just simply been because one partner doesn't know how to attach in in a healthy way. Right, exactly. And we don't want to feel that our partner is not going to be okay if we're not around. We want to know that they are good at meeting their own needs and they're perfectly fine without us, but that we add something to their life. So the anxious ambivalent type is giving us the opposite message. It's saying that they need us. You know, they're very needy. But what you also pointed out earlier is. Um, these these are correctable. I mean, these are these aren't. You're not just doomed to, you know, just right. loneliness the rest of your life. Right. That's why I love talking about this topic because it's so fundamental. It impacts our relationship and it's changeable. So, so we need to become aware of our style. There's, um, you can do some online attachment style surveys, and then you can learn what your style is. And once you know what your style is, if you have an insecure style, you can start to enact secure behavior. So. You could read more online about each of these styles, learn what secure people do, and then do your very best to start mimicking those behaviors. And one of the easiest ways that we can switch from insecure to secure is to get paired up with a secure partner who's patient enough to stick through those um, those periods of time when we are transitioning into the secure style. Yeah. But that is one of the very quickest, best ways is if we can get paired up with a secure person. Well, and it's funny because we don't always see all these patterns when we're in the passion love style because, you know, everything's so chemical, but as the passion fades and you have to start kind of working and serving this commitment level of, of, of closeness, um, then all of a sudden a lot of these start to come out more. And it's interesting. You don't even know how secure your partner, if, if what their style is, but to have two anxious ambivalence, that's mm-hmm. got to be like a nightmare. It's almost got to be like two you know, cats in a rocking chair factory just running around afraid that they're going to get hurt and then making each other mad. Right. It's not the most stable, right? Mm. Yeah. So definitely these partners pair up together in different combinations. And so, yeah, some some combinations are better than others. But ideally, we want secures partnered with secures. And and really about 60% of us are secure. So most of us have that style. Really? Is, Um, is, Is the number that... But only 60 I mean, when you think about that, that's yeah. so interestingly, you mm-hmm. know, divorce rates are 50 percent or 48 percent, 47 percent or whatever. I mean, that's 60 percent is pretty telling. It's pretty important. Yeah. And, and, you know, divorce rates can also be a secure person saying I'm done. It's been years I can't of someone do not this. meeting my needs. Absolutely. And, and still, you know, yeah. No, but it's just, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Now, so when you think about the. You've just basically described some serious complexity of love. It's not just about the fairy tale with the prince on, you know, the stallion riding in to kiss some girl that's sleeping, which is just creepy, by the way. That's just creepy. Hey, what am I going to do? I guess I'll kiss her. Let's just kiss her. Do you even know the lady? I don't know her, but I'm going to kiss her and it'll pull her out of this trance. That is so messed up. But, you know, that's just what we teach the kids. And so um, all of the sudden, though... We talk about passion. We talk about intimacy. We talk about commitment, different levels of love. Mm-hmm. Then we talk about mm-hmm. that we also bond and attach differently. It really mm-hmm. creates a pretty complex, uh, what do we call it, um, stew 
of mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. How, how yeah, do we, they're... what do you suggest? I mean, how do we work our way through it? Well, I guess I suggest the first thing is don't overthink love because love needs to be a beautiful thing. You yeah. know, it needs to be an emotional Let connection. it flow. Yeah, let it flow. But when problems arise, it's really helpful to have a framework to understand what's going on. So, and, and certainly everyone should be taking an inventory of their attachment style, especially if they're having some problems uh, forming attachments or, um, you know, being in long-term relationships, because that could be responsible, largely mm-hmm. responsible for some of the problems. Well, explain it a little bit more how the love styles and the attachment types kind of go together. Okay, well, it's interesting what you said in that it may take some time before we start to recognize what our partner's style is. And so when we're in the initial passionate phase of love, both partners really find each other's presence rewarding and really want to be around each other all the time and are thinking about each other all the time and maybe texting each other all the time. So that could be a a reciprocal phase, even if one person is insecure. Then with time, you know, as that starts to fade, we might start to realize, well, I don't want to be around this person all the time. I don't want to go to the bathroom without you standing by the door. Right. Right. And that's where we start to see some of those insecure behaviors, you know, they start to come to light. So it might not be until the passion phase that we really realize. And that's one of the pieces of advice I give people, my students. I say, if you're going to get married, try to at least wait two years of knowing this person because that's usually, passion usually will, you know, drop off dramatically after two years. So if it goes beyond the two years and you're still really enjoying, you know, your partner in this relationship, then you should feel comfortable getting engaged and then making those next steps. But like we have an, an example in the media with the Kardashian sister, you know, they met and got married so quickly, like never do that yeah. because it's just, it doesn't give you a, a long-term perspective on what's going to happen in this relationship. Well, and what's amazing, it didn't work. Right, exactly. Twice. Well, we, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just the weirdest thing. Yeah. But it's funny because yeah. we, we, that's it. We want to ride that chemistry and it seems like, you know, we don't necessarily always think straight. So you're saying maybe slow it down a little bit, let the chemistry, mm-hmm. you know, it's you want it, run it, enjoy it, mm-hmm. but don't let it be your master. Right. And remember the other components too. So work on intimacy, working on building the friendship with that partner, that will really build a foundation. So start to look at what are your, um, do you have shared interests? You know, is, are there going to be things that over the long term you're going to want to do together? So build on those components too. Don't just, yeah, don't just you know, work on your, focus, right. right, the affection. and Yeah. So I think that in the early phases, it's, it's useful to be aware of these, but without overthinking it. Mm-hmm. So It's yeah. interesting you brought up friendship. Tell us a little bit about the research. I know there's a ton of research about marrying a friend is really important. Yeah, Versus just marrying like a real strong romantic partner. Right. So when we get to the commitment phase, that's where we really start to see, is this, is there a friendship that can sustain this? But the friendship is what will, um, it forms the foundation for a long lasting relationship. So friendships are based on many things. One of them is shared interests so that you like to do the same things. You value the same things. You have similar life goals. The more similarity you have, the better in that sense. Um, and that's something that partners need to have if they want to have a long-lasting and also a happy partnership right. so to enjoy one another's presence. That's it. that's why um, you say don't just sit down and – I mean, if it's only about physical and all of your dates are just about physical and intimate and, and sex and physical situations, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to overlook – do we even have 
similarities. Do we like to be outside right. or inside? Do we like to right. do physical activities and go hiking, or do we mm-hmm. are we more intellectual and like to read? Exactly, exactly, Huge. exactly. And other things friends do, they communicate. So partners need to have good, open, honest communication with one another. They need to want to communicate because that leads to understanding each other. So you might find after many years together, you'll find couples that just aren't asking open-ended questions anymore. They're making assumptions about their partner. They're not continuing to learn about their partner. And that's really important. So that's what friends do and that's what partners should be doing, communicating openly, honestly, um, and that will facilitate that, that friendship or help maintain it over the long term. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, it, it seems like a no-brainer. Well, yeah, duh. But mm-hmm. it's harder when you're overwhelmed and your life is taking over and your job and the economy is knocking you around and your mm-hmm. kids are needing food and sports. And I mean, it's yeah. easy to lose the relationship. Yeah, it's easy when there's not enough time in the day to accomplish all that we need to do, but we have to deliberately set aside the time for touching base with one another, whether it's like um, a nightly dinner or a weekly dinner, whatever people can manage, but there needs to be that regular time where they touch base with each other. And ideally, when there's kids involved, that they have some time together away from the kids, a date night, um, you know, doing their hike or whatever it is that they want to do together. They need that time. That is... um... It seems like it gets harder and harder. I do these date nights uh, in my area of in Utah, and just to get people, just the excuses for people that they don't even have time to come to a once in a once a month, once every quarter, mm-hmm. on a date. It just blows my mind that well, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess we can't grow it then. We'll have to find another yeah. way to grow it, but they just can't even make the time for an hour. Right. They need to be maybe creative in how they do it, too. If you can't get out to a restaurant, there are ways that you can insert that time into your daily life, even yeah. if it's, um, you know, just the, the car ride. Make them make that a quality time. Whatever the time that you have, try to convert it into quality time. So you may have to get creative in the ways that you do that. Yeah. What, what's uh, for really quickly, what does what's the whole catfish Concept. You wrote an article, yeah. a post uh, called Catfish and Secrets, and you also mm-hmm. have a study that you want, you'd like to get some people involved in. Yeah, anyone who's experienced it. So what it is, is it's online romantic deception. So it's when people don't tell something about themselves or else, you know, invent an entire lie about themselves in order to get someone involved in a romantic relationship. And it can be something really small. Like, let's say if you met your partner through some online dating site, it could be that one person posted really old pictures of themselves or pictures when they were, you know, didn't weigh as much, something like that. But it can also range to something very... um, you know, a a big secret, something like they are the opposite gender than what they're portraying or, um, you know, something pretty major about their identity that they're concealing or changing. And so what I'm trying to find is people who've experienced this either from either side. So someone who has been lied to or someone who's actually done, um, you know, not been so truthful in whatever they were conveying about themselves. And I'm I'm interviewing people and finding out about these experiences, and it is a huge range of different experiences I'm learning Mm. about. Um, There's an MTV show called Catfishing. There's a documentary uh, called Catfish. It's based on the same premise, and I'm doing it from an empirical standpoint. So rather than one story here and there, I'm actually, you know, researching the masses, like thousands of people, so I can start to look for patterns in how come some people become victims to this? Why do some people... 
um, become perpetrators of this. And that way I can summarize the findings empirical and get I it love that. to the, yeah, the public. Where, do, where can they go to take that test or the, yeah, I mean, to give you the go, feedback? Sure. They can go to my um, Psychology Today blog. So the blog, as you mentioned, it's called More Than Chemistry. And they'll see one of the posts there is called Catfish and Secrets or Secrets and Catfishing. And the study link is right at the bottom of that post. So if they've experienced it, go ahead and click on that link. And there's an online survey and there's a place they can fill out their contact information. And I'll be the one to call them and do an interview with them. Oh, that's huge. You know, I've uh, I've been catfished before. Um, mm-hmm. I had a guy from Africa that said I won. I, I could get $20 million dollars. Right. If I just gave him, but this wasn't an intimate thing. Um, this okay. wasn't a relationship. He just said I'd get $20 million. All I have to do is give him a million. <laughs> what do you think of that? I hope he didn't respond. Well, no. I Well, I did. But once I, I, I got my money back, <laughs> it wasn't a big deal. Anyway, I don't know if that's catfishing, but it sure felt, <laughs> felt like it. Um, you are the yeah. best, Kelly Campbell, uh, assistant professor of psychology at Cal State University, San Bernardino campus. Thanks so much for, for your insight. We're going to have you back, I promise, because we, okay. we need more insight. I would love that. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show. You bet. And take care of yourself. And anybody that wants to get the link to go contact uh, contact her on this catfish idea, the catfish uh, you know, online issues, Go to my blog. Go to matttownsend.com. On that page, you can scroll down and find my blog right there. And we'll post a link to the show as well as uh, a blog link where you can go to the Catfish and Secrets page so you can give her some feedback. Again, so appreciate it. We're going to take a break and uh, come back. Keep talking about this idea of love. We've also got an expert coming in that's going to teach us about love is also a choice and how to make that choice. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're trying to understand love on this uh, program today, giving you the tools you need to understand your crazy love life. And uh, nobody's got a crazier love life than our own Dr. Colonel Rob Sanders. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if only I had the kind of money celebrities had, you know? Because I could do a lot of damage. I don't know if you've noticed, but celebrities' love lives are messed up. Yeah. So you have been doing some research yeah. to figure out... Uh, celebrity marriages gone wild. Yeah. So we hit some uh, big name weddings yes. that uh, didn't have a good ending. Here we go. Some pretty music there. I'm going to cry. From the acting career of Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> Remember her wedding? Oh, which one? To Larry Fortensky. Oh, yeah. That one didn't. That one kind of. Burnt out fast. Well, poor Larry. I guess he was uh, just a regular old construction worker. Yeah. They met uh, while she was uh, at the Betty Ford Center, which I think that's rehab, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And she, he was probably redoing the wing. He was trying to fix the, the, you know, the doors and the windows at the rehab center. How much do you think back then a construction worker would make? Back then? Uh, tw- like 20 bucks an hour, maybe? Well, yeah, yeah. So if the wedding... Elizabeth Taylor to Larry Fortensky cost $2 million. How long at $20 an hour, not counting taxes, Man. would it take? I've done the math on this. Have you really? Okay, so if he makes 20 bucks, 
They spent two million on the wedding. Yeah, forty hour work. Well, week. plus you got to count rehab, so that's you know two million <laughs> one hundred thousand. Well, just talk of the wedding itself. Okay. Uh, twenty dollars an hour. I don't know how many hours. Thousand two. Well, break. We can make it a hundred thousand hours, doesn't it? Gosh, hundred thousand. It comes out to forty eight years of work. Yeah, I bet you she paid for it. I think so. You think? I bet you he didn't. Pay Bride's for that. family pays, so yeah. Bride's family pays. He probably bought the ring. Yeah, that was probably probably. You know, it's probably five hundred bucks. You know, something he got at Sears. He bet it's just... up to you. Recognize recognize this voice here. Yeah. Who's that? That's uh, what's her name from um, that show that you love. Um, Judy Garland's daughter. Daughter, right? Black hair, Liza Minnelli. Yeah. Which, by the way, there's a joke in that show I'd never caught where somebody in the background singing New York, New York, and she just rolls her yeah. eyes and goes, oh, everybody thinks they're Sinatra. Exactly. Um, she married a man named David Gast. Uh-huh. David Gast was a producer in Hollywood or something, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, I, th- I think so. So extravagant, people were comparing their wedding to the Grammy Awards. Mm-hmm. 850 close friends and relatives attended. Man. But they won up. That's a lot of friends. I think they won up to Elizabeth Taylor on her wedding because Liza Minnelli invited Elizabeth Taylor to be her matron of honor. Oh, isn't that cute? Was it all at the rehab center? No, that's that's a good question. I don't know. I don't think it was. Uh, Guess who was the best man? Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Yep. I was there. Yeah. You were? Along yeah. with Diana Ross, the oh, Doobie man. Brothers, and Donny Osmond. Let me just tell you, party. Yeah. That is a party. Hey, in fact, Donny says, Osmond the Mormon was Nothing says party like the uh, right. da- Osmonds, you know. Osmonds, he knows BYU Radio. So how long did Elizabeth Taylor's marriage to Larry Fortensky last? Uh, we're going to go with, are we talking hours or months? Years, actually. Years. I'm going to say two. Not quite. Five. Wow. Jack's got five out of that. But months... Liza Minnelli to David Gast was six months, close sixteen. Maynard, they got a year and a half out of it. What did they pay for that wedding? I don't have a price tag on that, but you figure. uh, Well, I know Elizabeth uh, Elizabeth Taylor, uh, her wedding, the dress was twenty five grand. Well, for sure. So, but that doesn't hold a candle to this wedding. And we've seen a new one of these uh, just in the last few years, but. this one takes you back to 1981. His name was Charles. Oh, yeah. Charles and Die. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't go so well. What's the price on that wedding? $12,795,000,000. Million. $48 million. Are oh you my. kidding me? Now, to give you... Even- Dude, you give me $48 million, I'll guarantee I can keep you married. Well, t- <laughs> even daily... Anybody out there in listener land, $48 million, I'll guarantee you'll stay married forever. Even, uh, daily sessions. Or I'll give you half of your money back. <laughs> <laughs> so to give you a perspective, $48 million to most of us sounds like a big chunk of change. Yeah. We don't have something to put no. in perspective. Inflation adjusted, that's $110 million. That's enough to build 15 Walmarts. Really? One wedding. Wow. 750 million people watched it on TV. I'd rather have a Walmart. And the marriage ended in 1996. Oh, wow. In 19 what? 1996. They got to 1996 years. Matt, did you just say you'd rather... 15 years is an awful. I mean, in terms of length of marriage, it's not... That's that's twice, yeah. But it still ended. 
But Matt, did you just say you'd rather have a Walmart? I'd rather have five Walmarts than an expensive wedding. Mm-hmm. Than a, than a wedding. I just at had all, an expensive or? wedding for my daughter. I'd yeah. rather have a Walmart. Really quickly. I knew it was cute and all. But Your Walmart can pay for the wedding. That's right. <laughs> Plus, you get all those deals. And when it rains on a Walmart, it's not a big deal. True that. Good point, Bryce. What really, else you got? Re- really quickly. Yeah, here. one more here. Talking about bling. It was a wedding between an NBA star and somebody who's famous for something. I don't know. Oh, Kardashian? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Chris Humphreys. Yeah. Oh, What could possibly yeah. go wrong with that? I don't know. Well, 72 days later. Man, so it worked out. So the 72 days that's later. That's all got. That, that yearning phase. Uh, but the, the, the diamond. Yeah. The, the bling. Now, to give you an idea, my, my brother got engaged. He has uh, bought his fiance a 1.2 carat diamond. Man. We all admired how Holy huge cow. that was. How big was the Kardashian one? Seven. Nope. Seven carat diamonds. Twenty and a half. You know Over what? 20 it's carats. Fake. It's fake. Cute. Did, did she like give it marriage. back when the marriage ended? I don't know if she gave it back. That's probably Something that big, right I'd keep it, you know? Man. So, love, isn't it great? Maybe there's better ways to make a relationship last. Maybe choice and figuring out how to exercise your choice to create healthier relationships. Dr. Paul Jenkins is going to be joining us. He's going to teach us the power of choosing in our own lives, in our own love. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to Love Fest 2013. We're talking love. We're trying to understand love. And who knows love better than our next guest, Dr. Paul Jenkins, is joining us. Great friend, great mind when it comes to relationships, coaching, and love. Dr. Paul Jenkins. How Thank are you, brother? You, you really, you know your stuff. It's the love show today. Today's the love show. And we just had on our excellent guest. Did you hear our earlier guest, Kelly Campbell? I caught about half of that. She's smart and knows her stuff and has yeah. been doing the research on a university level. But we want to ask you something because when you hear the term or somebody say, I, I've fallen out of love. Mm-hmm. Now you're mar- you do marriage and family stuff all day long. I do. So when you hear a couple say that or a guy or a gal say that in your office, what's your thought? Where do you go with that? It kind of irritates me at first. Yeah. Do you like want to karate chop him? Well... Because it it displays a a very limited understanding of what the concept of love is. Right. So you've got the romance, the passion, you've got all of that part of it. Love is so much more complex than that. And as I was listening to your last last guest, uh, as she was talking about how that passion is going to pass after a while, and then what? Yeah, then what? Well, see, then so if it's... But we like the metaphor that we lose it. Like it's, you know, like it's a mm-hmm. basket of tennis balls. Either you have it or you don't. I dropped. I, I lost the balls. Yeah. They're I lost gone. Them. They're gone. So when you were introducing this segment, I heard you say something about love as a choice. Yeah. What if we were to look at it as an attitude? Ooh, I like that. Okay. Yeah. Now, attitude is a misunderstood term, too. Yeah. I have a friend named Mike Schlappi. Yeah, know I know, you know Mike. Mike. Great guy. 
He wrote a book called Shot Happens. Yeah, he was one of our first guests on the show. I love it. Do tell him why he wrote the book. Okay, so at the age of 14, yeah. Mike gets shot in the chest, yeah. point blank range. His, his buddy picked up a, a revolver off of the table there. His dad was an off-duty yeah, police officer. Well, he was a yeah. police officer, but this was his off-duty uh, service revolver. Shot him in the chest. Boom. I mean, not intentionally. It no. was an accident. He, they thought the bullets were out of it. But kids, as you're listening to this, and you he know, was a stud. He careful. was a basketball player on the basketball athlete. team. Athlete, yes. Yep. Student body president, I think. It, it, just all kinds of great stuff going on for Mike. And now, suddenly, in a moment, he's paralyzed yeah. from the from the chest down. Yeah. Okay. What are we going to do with this? So, in in Mike's book, shot happens. He talks about this concept of attitude. But it's in a whole different way than I had heard before. Yeah. Um, he went to a neighbor who was an airline pilot because his editor, Thomas Cantrell, gave him a little heads up. Hey, there's more to attitude than you think. Because how many, how many people in oh, wheelchairs yeah. are going around talking about attitude? Right, right, right? yeah. Everyone's got that. So he says, let's understand what this word is. He goes to his neighbor who is an airline pilot and asks him, what is the most important instrument in the cockpit? And this, this pilot responded, it's the attitude indicator. Oh, yeah. Okay, not okay. altitude. Well, yeah, well, you'd think altitude would be important. Well, you're thinking flying. But attitude, attitude in an airplane. And attitude is the position of that aircraft relative to the horizon or the earth. Yeah. Okay, how important is that? If you're in a nose-down attitude... You're in trouble. You're going into the So we don't want to speed up. Stuff. Yeah, you're going down. Yeah. Right? If you're in a nose-up attitude, then you're going to be gaining altitude yeah. as well. So the attitude is the position. Hmm. So what if we apply that to this to love. conversation about love? Yeah, what's what your attitude we... about love? So somebody comes in and says, I'm out of love or I've fallen out of love. I'm nosing down. My attitude is not one of love. Okay, is it sounding different yeah, now? Yeah, totally, yeah. How do we fix that? Got to How about an attitude, attitude adjustment? Right. Recognize it's time right? to adjust. Yeah. yeah. Course corrections. Yeah. But see, don't you think people think, well, no. See, love is natural. It shan't be adjusted. <laughs> right. It needs to just be if it is. If it's, if it's meant to be, it'll happen. Mm. Have you ever heard? Like these things drive me. Yeah. Because it's funny because we don't fall well, out some, of love with our kids. Like we're not, right. Jimmy, I got to let you go. I don't like you anymore, Jimmy. Your mom and I have talked yeah. about it and we're just. It's not you. It's us. I'm sorry. It's not <laughs> We don't fall out of love, but we do with our Actually, love I've heard something like that. Yeah, parents do want to do that. But, but cool. you've got a great point. What? Why is our attitude different toward our kids than it is toward our spouse. See, we think the lo- we think it's a different love. Like we think that there's mm. passion versus commitment. So, she talked about three different loves, the intimate love, mm-hmm. the commitment love, and the passion. Mm-hmm. We think love in a marriage is just kind of more passion. Mm-hmm. We think love with our kids is more, I guess, commitment, more intimate. Yeah, it, or but some, we've we've differentiated. That, what if we look at it as a as an attitude? Blood. So, what if we look at it as a as an and notice attitude, yeah. which means position. And attitude is not 
how you feel. Yeah. Right. It's not like the traditional pop psychology right. attitude determines your altitude kind of thing, even though in an airplane it really does. <laughs> if your attitude's up, you're going to get at it altitude. It really does, doesn't yeah. it? So choosing that position. Now, what position will I take toward it? So, Matt, we had um, a fun experience last week. My wife and I try to do a date every week. Yeah, cool. I think we learned that from That's you. That's smart. Well, yeah, you just learned it because you have a PhD well, in this. So here we are. We got 96 years between us. Wow. And we choose to do a 5K for date night. Why? How cool is that? Is that cool? Because that just seems horrible. <laughs> that, that seems like I've, I would have done a interesting attitude, Matt. And some nachos. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it, the reason that feels cool to me is because of the gratitude that I feel when I realize that we have the choice that we can actually do that. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, you and have the And afterwards, we that. go out for for dinner Twinkies instead of to the emergency room love that no that's cool how awesome attitude is that? so there's probably 500 runners in this race and the gun goes off and we all take off and it's just this massive bodies yeah. positioning and running and strength but it's 5k yeah okay so three miles later guess what position i come in how many did you say total? Like 500. I would say you're easily first or second. So you're going to guess you run like first, a, right? You run like a gazelle. Yeah, right. I'm going to say, I you're would guess first, but then I'm going to really go down. I'm going to say 200. Uh, okay. And, and I don't know the exact yeah. placement that I had, but it was not first. Darn it. But you didn't care. And also it was not last. So how did I do in that race? Well, it depends on my... Attitude. Attitude. Where the was, position I take position? toward it. Now, there's a whole bunch of people who finished before me. So I could say, well, I came in behind all of these people. Yeah. So I didn't do very well. Or I can look at the hundreds of people who came in after me. Yeah. And I can say, well, you know what? Compared to them, I did pretty darn well. Yeah. Or I could look at all of the other 40-whatever-year-old men right. that weren't even registered for this Where race. Where did I place there? Or you could say, I was with my wife, and I got to run next to my wife, so it didn't matter, because I was where I wanted to be. So how I feel about this whole thing depends on my position toward it. Okay. Now, I have another friend who's, who's also a, a public speaker, and she does some really amazing things. Her name's Jenny. And she came in dead last. Not in this particular race, but in a but different in a race. race. Dead last. 5K. Okay. Nobody behind her. How did she do? Depends. I mean, she showed. <laughs> she came. She showed. And does it make a difference to you to know that she has cerebral palsy? See that? Look at that. Right. Yeah. How did well, she and, do? And by the way, and it, it, it makes a difference to me. It may not have made a difference to her. I mean, even just like uh -huh. I didn't show up. Even if I knew right. about that 5K, I wouldn't have showed up. For and it. what about all the people who tell these stories yeah. to themselves in their own mind about, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And then Jenny shows up. Oh, man. Can and you imagine? She not only enters this race, she finishes. That's cool. And yeah, it was like an hour later or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Who cares what time she came in? So the position determines the feeling. Right. Okay. So now if we tie back into love, what are you looking for? Are you looking for that feeling? Yeah. Change your position. Change how you Your see feeling it. will change. It will follow. It's got to, really. I mean, so how do you go about exactly. changing? So if you're going to change, I guess, mm -hmm. change, how do you change the feeling? How do you change if you're sitting with a spouse that has let you down and you think, man, I thought I was, I thought we were going to have more than this. 
and you're disappointed or if you see you know friends at work and the girls at work laugh at all your jokes mm-hmm. and all the girls at work think you're incredible and this, that's the shift huh? that's why we get that's why we that's fall out shift. of love because i go to that attitude that oh these people are different or better you you take a different attitude of course you're going to go in a different direction it's amazing of course you will yeah so taking the position that that this is bad, that I'm disappointed, that I don't feel as good as I could, or whatever it is. Okay, notice that's a position. Yeah. Can you imagine, psychologically, this is a fundamental principle, can you imagine something better than what you've already got? Well, see, yeah, some people would say, oh, yeah. You absolutely can. The guy can. at the mall. And they've, <laughs> they've got someone. Some people have that. But yeah. see, the problem with that is you don't know that person. It's, you a, it's don't, an illusion. And that's why I say this is an imagined, yeah. okay, it's an imaginary thing. Yeah. And you can always imagine something better than what you currently got. When will that stop being true? Never. Yeah. When you achieve a certain number in your bank account? Yeah, right. No, because you can always imagine another dollar in there. Yeah. So this trips people up, and then they take the position, I'm way behind, see? Yeah. Because compared to all of that stuff that's better... This doesn't look too good. This isn't happening. Right. So it's a position that they're taking. Well, is it possible also to take a position that, look at all these hundreds of people I'm in front of. Right. Like me in that 5K. And to feel good about where I am. That's a position. And and I, I take a firm stance on the fact that that's a choice. Oh, absolutely. So the choice is the... The the um, comparisons you make, the, the comparisons you make, the judgments that you declare. Yeah, whether whether it's positive or negative, whether this right. partner that's not giving everything you want is actually is that an enhancement? Is that a benefit? Is that what partner would give you everything that you want yeah, or could? It's not possible to fulfill all right. of your wants. Right. And honestly, you'd be a monster. Yeah. We'd create a monster if we gave you everything. Everyone that's ever raised a child knows that. Well, just thinking that way makes you somewhat monstrous. Uh-huh. Well, that's our – and so look at that positioning. Mm-hmm. My positioning is I deserve I deserve everything. more. Yeah. And what I'm getting is not enough and it's mm-hmm. not good enough. Yeah. And then you take a look at, well, what am I getting? Mm-hmm. Okay. What if we took that position? And this is – this sounds like a psychological trick and maybe it is, but really it's an understanding of how your mind works. Yeah. You are taking a position. You're just taking – you're taking an attitude. Mm-hmm. You're choosing an attitude either way. That's attitude right. Attitude neutral, attitude up, attitude down. Exactly. And you're, you're just saying if you're going to look at your marriage or your relationship, I probably wouldn't choose the attitude down. It won't serve you. Which one serves you best? And if you take a nose-down attitude, you're headed for the hard stuff, yeah. just like in an airplane. Yeah. Well, and even if it's not all hard, that's all you're adjusted for. Right. You know what I mean? Because you're not going to see everything. So we're going to always start discerning only the bad, picking mm-hmm. up only the negative data, attributing everything negative to your partner. Because that's the position mm-hmm. you've taken, and that's now what you're open to receive. Yeah. I call that arrows in versus arrows out. So mm-hmm. when I adjust that, I need to work on, you know, I could sit there and see how everything isn't working for me, arrows in. Or I could sit there and see, what am I offering my spouse? Well, I do the dishes, I do the... Right, and you're sitting mm-hmm. here angry. Right. And you're bemoaning and hating and not not showing mm-hmm. the love. So mm-hmm. what are you offering instead right. of 
How are? What is your attitude? That's powerful. <coughs> Excuse me. It's that, that drink you me. just had. Yeah, that that, that magic that. elixir. Elixir. What you're what you're talking about there is so powerful because what what this means is we literally get to choose how we feel. Mm. Now it's not direct because we choose it by choosing our attitude, our position. Yeah. And then that position determines our feelings. Yeah. And then feel – now, tell me with this because some people out there are going to say, oh, okay, so let's get this straight. I've got a dirtbag husband – attitude down, by the way. I've got a dirtbag and husband who's judgment not giving and assessment. me – Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. not, it's not the data, but he's not giving me what I need and you're just telling me to go be positive about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The short version? Uh-huh. Yeah. Because what other yeah, choice do you have? That. Hate it. Now, again, so I always say differentiate between ends and means. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean you have to stay and it doesn't mean it's ideal. It just means it's what it is. So adjust it's what it is. Right. So we got two things that we're working on. We're working on evaluating what is. Yeah. And we're working on creating what will be. That's right. That's the, that's the action. That's what everyone wants is they want to get to the action, the right. result. And of course you can imagine something better. Yep. That's to direct your creative efforts. Right. Because what do you want to go create? Something better or something worse yeah. than what you already got? Right. Duh. That's right. But even just because you can imagine it doesn't, it mean, doesn't necessarily mean right now you know how to do it. So, which is one of the reasons to stick this out a little bit longer. Or that you should use that as a judgment for where you are. Exactly. I to say, that. look how far behind I am. Look how oh, yeah. terribly I'm doing. Oh, look yeah. at all this stuff I don't have. Yeah. And how big is that list? Oh, man. Because what, you, <laughs> what you don't there. have is always more than what you got. See, that's huge. See, Dr. Paul, but they, you know, it's, it's so personal, isn't it? Because yeah. then we look at our friends and we go, I just imagine these women that go get on Pinterest or go get on mm-hmm. uh Instagram and they're sitting there seeing, oh, well, her husband's got money and they've bought a boat and they go boating and Mm -hmm. she's got – she's skinny and we just start seeing and we build this attitude of everything we don't have. Of look how far behind I am. Now, this has another unwanted effect because when we get into creation mode, Mm -hmm. how likely are we to go be productive if we're feeling inadequate? Mm. That's right. No, we're not. Or depressed or discouraged. No. Fact, See, that takes the try? energy That's out right. of it. Isn't that it? So and then we're more likely to go create a bigger mess. And then all we actually have data of, because that's all we've been aggregating, is what mm-hmm. we don't have. So exactly. we have. So all we really know how to create is what we don't have. Mm-hmm. This sounds so heady. It's yeah. so real. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Paul. We're going to take a break. Come back. Dr. Paul Jenkins is joining us in studio, helping us understand uh, where the feelings come from. And some of the behaviors that are associated with uh, love. We're going to take a break. We're coming right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. The Matt Townsend Hoedown. That's our music, Paul. Yeah, Dr. Paul I'm Jenkins is joining us. This is the mute because we went to a, a two-hour show now, mm-hmm. so we had to get some more music. And Skyboy went back to uh, back to the farm and pulled out a little uh, kettle with a string in it. And started I asked playing. Matt what kind of music he wanted, and he's all about hoedown. Who can? His favorite. You can't get enough hoedown. Were you? Did you ever see the show Hee Haw? Oh yeah. Oh man. 
My first girl was that blonde on Hee Haw. <laughs> my first girlfriend. I don't remember her name. But they'd always like have a gap in their tooth. Oh, remember? yeah. And they'd get up, pop up from the hay bells. Anyway. And the pigtails. And their cute little pigtails with their cute little plaids. Uh, this is the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're wrapping it up talking about love and understanding love. We're joined with Dr. Paul Jenkins in studio. Now, you can go to drpauljenkins.com. Right. DR. With a DR. drpauljenkins.com. And Paul has podcasts. Mm-hmm. Paul is really dramatically underutilized and underknown. You need to be the next Dr. Phil. Except I'm Paul. And you have hair. Yeah. So that wouldn't work. And we already have a Dr. Phil. <laughs> so uh, we're going to play a little game. Or we're going to try. I guess what are we going to do today? Uh, well, we, we could kind of do a little bit of a game on love languages okay. where we decide whether mm-hmm. you'd rather have someone give you a cheeseburger that they bought or a cheeseburger that they made and things like that. Hmm. Or would you rather hmm. watch them make it or would you rather hear about them making it? I don't care how I got the cheeseburger. Just let me eat it and get out of my way. Is that rude? You've got some interesting love languages going on there. <laughs> I think so, I'm just hungry. <laughs> so you can deal with the basic love languages. Incidentally, some people suggest that maybe food is the sixth love language, which I'm not sure how that would work. But that's well, that's a debated point, as I learned in my research. That's a very good point. So love languages, Paul, explain mm-hmm. it in a nutshell. There's five different languages. It comes from a book named Gary Chap- by Gary Chapman. Gary Chapman? Yeah, Gary Chapman. Mm-hmm. Five love languages – Right, and there's gifts, there's gifts, service, service, there's talk, uh, words of talk. affirmation, yeah, words of affirmation, um, time, time, and touch, touch. physical touch. contact, and physical touch. Basic yes. premise: everybody loves differently. Everybody has a different language in which they right. usually give love. So, mm-hmm. if you're a toucher, you're going to touch on your spouse, and you're only touching because you love them. You're not just touching because you're a dirty old fool. You're That's loving right. them. And some want to talk, and so your spouse may want to – when you come home, they want to talk to you, and they want to be loved that way, and some Mm -hmm. just want your time. That's his premise. But there's also – and I want you to get into this because you know. I mean, the funny – that's a great tool. Sure. Because it's it's about understanding. Yeah. Well, and it's useful to understand that someone else's view or paradigm is not necessarily the same as mine. Yeah. Although my natural tendency is to approach them through mine. Yeah. And so if you hear him complaining that um, you never help around the house, mm. that's somebody that's basically crying for a little more service. Mm-hmm. Can you serve around the house more? Now, I, when mm-hmm. I, I was the first one to tell my wife I love her. Mm-hmm. But I'm a hearer. Mm. She's a seer. So when I told her I loved her, she said, oh, that's nice. Cute. Right. It was the most awkward moment of my dating life. And then she went home and put together and wrote a letter, Paul. Mm-hmm. She wrote me a letter, like 20-page letter. I think it was nine pages. Wow. And in the middle of it, she says, oh, I love you too. Mm-hmm. And then she, she brought it to me with donuts. She made homemade donuts. Yeah. And, says, and I ate them because I felt bad for her. And you were hungry. And I was starving because yeah. that's the sixth That's the sixth sure. language. And then she said, read the letter, read the letter. And I'm, I'm like too depressed because you don't love me. And then if I – but see, so she – I didn't care because I didn't want to read it. I wanted her to you say You wanted it. to hear it. And she wanted – she would have been better if I had just written her a letter. Right. And that messed up. That didn't come naturally to you at the time though. No. Maybe still doesn't. Not really. 
Like if I text her, but she likes knowing that. that mm-hmm. That's good. Now I know how to reach her yeah. her way. So you can make a little list of best practices and yeah. and apply the things that are working. And we we decided that apologizing apparently is also has its own little language. That's what that's what I got out of my research. Looking at the the love languages on their website and mm-hmm. all that, they had also now apology languages that you can try and find out how you best receive an apology. And how someone else, how you can best give an apology to someone else. I assume I didn't. I didn't do That's a lot of research into yeah. it because I don't love you guys enough to, to well, do that kind of service. Well, you were probably eating. And yeah. uh, but uh, I assume it's pretty similar to the standard love languages. So how, how do you think an apology would work for you, Matt? I would um, if she grabbed me and touched me and held me closely. Hmm. And that's about it. She doesn't have to say she's sorry or anything? Uh, that would be good. Yeah, that'd be good. Because you like to hear things, yeah. too. Yeah. So I'm a toucher and a mm-hmm. hearer, words of affirmation. And and, and I, doctor? I, I think it's similar for me. Here, I think maybe it's just a man thing. No, it's not. Well, not necessarily. It depends on who it is. Yeah. Um, apologies are really interesting, too, because there's different levels of apology. Yeah. I'm sorry you took that wrong. Yeah, that's kind of the low level. <laughs> Sounds just a little judgmental. Isn't it? Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. Get off my back. Yeah. And I'm sorry for what I did versus I'm sorry for how that has impacted your life. Those are different. Yeah. So I'm sorry for what I did would be me having remorse for what I did. Mm-hmm. And seeing how it impacted you would be almost compassion. Like I have empathy that it's hurting you this bad. Right. And sometimes I guess we need both of those in an apology. And that acknowledgement shows the empathy. Yeah. Uh, this is coming from some, some work done by Dr. Scott Haltzman. Love the man. Yeah. Um, he just came out with a book in May called Sur- The Secrets of Surviving Infidelity. Oh. Can you imagine apologizing yeah. for that? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. So this is coming from some pretty high-level yeah. apology needs. And uh, making a distinction between those two and then delivering delivering that in a language that makes sense. It's huge. Give us uh, – you got 15 seconds, Dr. Paul Jenkins. Number one key to staying in love, in a love you've committed to. The number one thing in my mind would be to take a positive attitude toward that relationship. In other words, see the good. Mm-hmm. Nose up. Nose up. Get pointed in an upward direction that allows you to see the good in it, feel grateful for that, enjoy that yeah. for a while, and then move on to improving it. And let that let that teach you what to do next. Right. Let the positivity teach you Because then you'll choose next. the loving thing. Love it. Dr. Paul Jenkins, go check out his website. Go check out his podcast. Dr. Paul Jenkins, drpauljenkins.com. Thanks for joining us, Paul. You're the best. Thank you. This is the show, my friends. That's it. Done. Now we understand love, and Skyboy will now go and um, pursue ladies without offending. That's the goal. That's the goal. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks, everybody, for joining us uh, right here. Again, we'll be back tomorrow on BYU Radio.